guys, welcome back to another episode of The Right Type. Today I'm here with Lizelle. She's a young adult writer and I know Lizelle from Twitter and um, Instagram and we just became really good friends and I met her at BookCon this year and she's just really lovely and I'm going to let her introduce herself and basically her book but yeah, Lizelle, tell everyone who you are and um, your book and everything. Hi, I'm Lizelle Sambri. Um, I'm the author of the forthcoming duology. Um, it's a YA urban fantasy with sci-fi elements um, coming out from Simon Pulse in summer 2021 and 2022 and it's about a family of black witches living in Toronto in the year of 2099. Lots of like dark family secrets and boy troubles and a lot of like my Toronto childhood and current life mixed into it. I'm so excited for it. I feel like I don't see enough books set in Canada and I want to yeah. see more. It's like very very rare and I find often like when books are set in Canada, like, it's very low-key. Um, like, I think of E.K. Johnson's, like, uh, what is it called again? Oh, Exit Pursued by a Bear. And that is set, like, in Canada, but, like, a more rural Canada place. And, like, you wouldn't know except that she says the name of the town once. And I was like, oh, hey! But, like, any, like, I'm sure any, like, other person not from Canada just glossed over it. And your one sounds very Canadian, so I'm happy it's oh, yeah. unapologetic. Yeah, like, mine is, like, constantly, I'm like, this is Toronto, this is our transit, here's a, like, she has an ID thing, like, an ID chip in her hand, like, they all do, because it's the future, and she's like, yeah, and it pulls up my healthcare, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I can be like, yeah, we got free healthcare over here. This is Canada. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not the US. No, and I've gone, like, I remember going to New York when I was in my second year of university. Um, I went with my friend, like, through school or whatever, and I went to a subway, and I went to Payne because I'm messy. I, like, emptied out, like, my whole wallet on the counter trying to find my debit card. And my healthcare card popped out, and the girl looked in, and she's like, is that your healthcare? And I was like, oh, yeah. And she's like, so you just go in for free? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And she was like, wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this is a hellscape. This is depressing. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, really hard. Like, when authors are talking about, like, having to organize their health insurance and stuff, I'm like, wow, so good. <laughs> I don't have to do that. Like, some drugs, like, over here, like, things that you want to get, like, certain, like, pills and stuff. Like, if you don't have insurance, you have to pay full full price, and then it's expensive. But, like, I never worry about, like, going into a hospital. Like, if I break my leg, I can go to a hospital. And that's how it should be, really. But, like, it's not in... A lot of places and um actually i remember we were talking um before the podcast started um about how like advances work and stuff we watched a video um by alexa dunn and she discussed like breaking your advance up into like putting stuff into retirement putting the stuff into your healthcare. and i was just thinking how it's not applicable for like people in the uk or in canada really um yeah yeah so yeah, it's interesting exactly. um so let's jump straight into the first type of question i just kind of like to get all my guests to talk about their publishing experience because i want to show mm-hmm. everyone how different everyone's experience is getting into traditional publishing so mm-hmm. could you just tell everyone a quick kind of rundown of how you got your agent and how you got your book deal yeah absolutely so i had written my black witch's book in NaNoWriMo 2017 um, I was living up north in Ontario at the time. I had just moved there, and I wasn't from there, and I didn't have any friends, so I, like, had a lot of time to dedicate to writing a book, um, and I really missed Toronto, which is why I think it ended up being, like, an urban fantasy set there, 
Um, and I spent a month, I edited it for like another six months or so. And I went out querying in uh, July because there had been like a pit mad and like pit mad, like participating in that, which is a pitch contest, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> um, that's kind of when I put it out for the first time. And I queried, I didn't query that many, like previous books, like this is my third book. Books in the past, like I had queried two other books before. My first book is a complete wash. But my second book, I queried about 60 agents. And this time around, I only ended up doing about 30. Um, this was definitely like a very fast querying process for me. Um, it was very strange for me because previously I queried on and off for like two years. So this was like very fast. Um, and in about two months, I signed with Christy Hunter at the Night Agency who's wonderful. I've had such a great experience with her, <laughs> honestly. Like, I feel like, I know everybody, like, loves their agent, but I, like, feel like I'm, like, a golden child. Like, whenever people are, like, I'm having this problem with my agent, I'm just, like, wow, my agent doesn't do that at all. Like, she's fantastic. Um, so I also really like her because she's super editorial, which I knew I needed because when I was querying, a lot of people were giving me comments about, like, structural issues, um, and she really helped me a lot, and we ended up editing the book for six months together, which, like, at the time was, like, I wanted to crawl out of my skin. I was so tired of editing, <laughs> but it was really useful, and, like, we got everything in place, and we went on sub January 10th, um, which was great. I felt really good about it, because it was, like, brand new in the new year and sub is so exciting when you first go on sub like the first day of going on sub i was so happy and like rosy and glowing i was like wow new york editors are reading my book and there's so much potential and you're so excited and then like after a week that disappears but <laughs> that first the first day on sub fantastic really good especially because the way me and christy had gone on sub was that she asked them she like sent a pitch letter and asked them if they wanted to read the book so they had to solicit the manuscript so then it was awesome because it was all these people being like yeah i want to read it i want to read it and when you're like querying like to get someone to make a full request it takes ages like it feels like it takes ages like it, it's very rare that you instantly get a full request and so this was just like so fast like within the first like week almost everyone was like yeah i want to read it so it's really rosy and pink and then you know things uh things peter out from there things get hard as time goes on um but i did actually have like a relatively short sub period like i was on sub for four months so after four months um i got we got an offer from sarah mccabe at simon pulse um who i was actually very interested in it's funny i had gone to um a book launch with like other Toronto writers group um, uh, for Nikki Popredo's uh, Crown of Feathers, and she is the same uh, editor as me. And when I was at her launch, I was like, "This is so nice." I was like, "This is super cool." I know Sarah has my book. I wish she would. Uh, I wish she would make an offer on my book. That would be so cool. And she works with Canadians, and that's exactly what happened. So that was wonderful. I got that offer. Um, that was the only offer I got and I was fine with that because I just wanted to offer whatever <laughs> and uh yeah so then we announced like three months later and it was agony as well 
yes so much so much pain but then at that point like the agony of wanting to announce like you can't like bitch about it because you have a book deal so like shut up and be happy but the whole time I was like I was telling my boyfriend and texting him and I was like I just want to brag <laughs> tell people that I've accomplished this and like brag and have people be impressed with me because I'm very like I'm very self-aware of the sort of person I am and I know that it's really important to me that people be impressed by me <laughs> and the things that I do and I have no shame about that that's the sort of person I am I don't hinge all my self-worth on it but it is important for me at like work and like extracurricular activities so yeah that's why I was so impatient but now it's all out there which is nice I love how honest you are I feel like a lot of people are like that but they won't admit it oh yeah I'm sure and like at work they do all this like they have all these different programs so that you can kind of get to know yourself more so that you can just decide how you want your career trajectory to go and like doing those things I was like oh wow like it really does matter to me that other people find me to be an impressive, intelligent person. And I just was like, yeah, that sounds about right. I'm fine with that. Um, Thank you for telling everyone and telling me your story of how you got published. I think it's so important to hear so many different stories because like, for example, my querying journey was long for me, but maybe not long for someone else. I think it's so important to show that we all have like different experiences basically thank you for sharing we're gonna get into basically what the episode's about today so I thought that it would be a really good idea to talk about publishers and publishing terms I think that before I got into publishing or just when I got into publishing um, and the the world of writing community um I realized that there's so many words and phrases that everyone just knows and it's kind of like a secret code like they're, they're speaking Klingon I think it's called from Star Wars or Star Trek, I don't know. Um, it's like they're speaking a completely different language. And I was just like, what the hell is anyone talking about? And so um, I wanted to basically do that with Lizelle, who's very knowledgeable and has like um, a really cool YouTube channel, which I'll link in the show notes. Um, and I think you should check out. I thought she'd be the perfect person to talk about with it. So um, we're going to just talk about publishing terms first. And then after we're going to talk about publishers, you should know. Obviously, I haven't covered everyone, but we're going to try and talk about quite a big range of both US and UK publishers. So firstly, the publishing terms, we're going we're to take turns to talk about each term. Um, so Lizelle, do you want to go first? Sure. So the first term you is... Can you tell me the first term? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the first term is... Uh, query. Okay, so like the there's like two query sections technically. So like the act of querying and like the query letter. Um, querying in general is when you solicit agents to represent you essentially. Um, so you send them a query a query letter, which is a short pitch um, in a very specific format. Um, I learned that after my first book. It's not just whatever pitch you want to do. Um, There is really like a specific kind of query letter format. And that's a letter you send out to agents. It's basically like a teaser of your book to get them interested so that they then solicit more of your work. So they ask to see like a partial of your manuscript um, or they ask to see your full manuscript and hopefully offer to represent you. Yes, that's perfect description. Um, And then... The next word is submission, which I'll I'll talk about. Um, I have an episode out with 
Shannon Smart, where we talk about submission in more detail. That's episode six. Um, but submission basically is when you already have a literary agent and you're basically um, going to essentially query, but not really, but like editors at publishing houses. Um, and so you're basically submitting your work to them or your agent is on your behalf and they can decide or not decide to basically give you a book deal. Um, there's a whole process that goes into it, which I discussed in the episode I mentioned. But um, yeah, submission is essentially submitting your work to publishers and it can take a very long time or it can take very little time. So um, it's a big thing and people always say I'm on submission or I'm just off submission or I didn't sell on submission. So um, yeah, that's what submission is. And not selling means you didn't basically get a book deal and selling means you did. So the next term is manuscript. It's like hard to describe a manuscript actually. Um, so your manuscript is essentially your story written out. Um, this also actually has a very specific formatting, especially for traditional publishing when you're submitting to agents and publishers, like there is a way to format your manuscript, um, so that it meets the standards of publishing, but it's essentially your story. Yeah. Um, actually, I don't know if this happened with you, but I had no idea about the formatting when I first wrote my first book that I queried. Um, I remember finding out and being like, what, there's a whole like thing you're meant to do to your book. I literally wrote it, um, single spaced, like just went down, like the whole page was just kind of like a blur of words. Um, and then I realized by like researching or like there's a format to it. And I realized I had done it completely wrong. And I felt so sorry for the agents that had to read that. Um, for so many reasons because I did not edit it and I just kind of sent it out so there's so many reasons why it was such a wrong book but um, there's a format to it I think I would like to think that other people know but and I was just really dumb but um, did you know before? I like kind of knew but like in a very wrong way like I was using a really old style like I was using like that like courier new like oh god the, the super old typewriter font and I like I think I don't think I was double spacing my periods after because I was lazy but if I wasn't lazy I probably would have done that and my paragraphs weren't indented they were I don't think so or were they yes they were but it was like it was so big it was like this weird font and like but I it was just like strange like I didn't quite know what I was doing and I don't know if it's just because it was like older like I queried my first book when I was 18 and that was oh my god Ten almost ten years ago, back when you used to have to like go into the bookstore and buy the physical book with all the agents listed in it, like you couldn't oh, just God. find them online. And so I don't know if it was just like the format was that old, or if I really just didn't know what I was doing. Wow, um, that feels like a whole like lifetime away. But ten years is literally le- yesterday in time. So that's just mm-hmm. funny how much everything's changed. The next word is pitch contest so a pitch contest is basically something that happens on twitter a lot there's different kinds there's dv pit there's pit mad there's sff pit there's so many um and it's basically when you tweet um a concise kind of teaser of your book um that kind of entices agents and you just don't do it randomly there's specific dates allocated to these events and a lot of people are doing that once so you have to kind of stand out from the crowd you basically like condense your book into something that's gonna entice agents and they like your book and if they like your tweet um you basically can query them but like 
in a weird way. I don't know. It's it kind of boosts your book and makes them kind of know who you are. Like um, with DV Pit, for example, like when you do a, a pitch that's really interesting and an agent likes it, they'll be expecting you to like query them. Whereas if you just cold query them, they don't know who you are beforehand and they don't know what to expect. So with um, pitch contests, they know what to expect um, because they've seen it on Twitter in a condensed form. The next word is mentorship. So mentorship, uh, this is really like, it could be writers, it could be editors or authors who um, offer to mentor other people. So they'll like look at their work and make comments and basically help them out with it. Um, in like the book community, there are a lot of mentorship contests. Um, there's AMM, which is author mentor match. There's pitch wars. There's the adventures of color mentorship that we had done this past summer. Um, there's, um, writing in the margins also has a mentorship. There's like lots of opportunities to get people to help you out and rev pit which is what I did, which was a mentorship um, done by freelance editors. That's great. And the next term is literary agent. Um, so a literary agent is basically a person who represents writers. Um, they are essentially the writer's, I don't know, they're just they're like the writer's lawyer, they're the writer's um, editor, they're like everything. They're just so hardworking and they just basically represent the writers and help them um, get book deals and also do rights for them. So that's kind of selling film rights. Sometimes agencies have um, film agents or they have um, contacts, um, but they, they sell your books to foreign countries and stuff. So agents do a lot of work. They have a huge job. Um, the next word is editor. Editor. So your editor is the person at the publishing house who bought your book. Um, or bought someone else's book, I suppose. The editor doesn't need to be your editor. Um, and they essentially help you get your book into shape. They help you edit it. They also are your representative within the publishing house. Um, they work with the other departments like marketing and who else? Design for cover design, etc. They're basically like your agent, but at the publishing house. And they also organize all the things around your book, like yeah that sort of thing that's a really good um description i feel like i thought growing up and also i feel like other people have also thought this as well that editors literally you like submit your book and then they edit it for you um yeah i thought that for a very long time but that's not the case at all (laughs) yeah i think i thought that too like you just like handed them like your messy first draft and they like made it amazing and you were like yay and that was the end of it but it's not the case (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not the case. And certainly I, like, didn't think of, like, the, all the other things that they do besides editing your book. And that's why I think editors end up being so busy because they're not only editing your book, they're also looking over other people's submissions to find new books. They have to take those to meetings to try and buy the book. They also have to organize everyone around your book. So they're kind of a project manager for your book because they have to organize the cover. They have to organize your title if you have to change a title or you didn't have a title to begin with they gotta like organize where you're gonna be at trade shows and like things like that like there's so many things around your book that they do besides the editing and it's a good thing to remind yourself i feel like once i got an agent i realized how busy agents are 
and mm-hmm. why querying takes so long sometimes because agents are doing so much they have like sometimes 20 plus quiet clients um same with editors they're doing multiple jobs at once so it's just kind of like something that i think about often um and i feel really really tired on their behalf to be honest yeah and it's hard for agents because like editors have a salary and like agents are like getting paid off of you getting paid so it's even more like wow you're doing a lot of work and you actually haven't been paid yet it's just wild um and then a bookseller so a bookseller is someone that sells books so when you walk into like a bookshop um you'll basically see a bookseller and they will be the one selling the books (laughs) the answer is in the word (laughs) um the next um phrase is well well is that a phrase i don't know the next word is publishing house Yes, so a publishing house is essentially the publisher. They're the person that will be, they're the organization that will be purchasing your book. So the editor is deciding what to purchase, but they're using the publisher's money, the publishing house's money. Um, A lot of publishing houses will have several imprints under them. These are basically like sub-publishing houses. They're separated out for branding reasons to basically keep things separated so then you know one imprint for having adult books and they have another imprint for like young adult books and that way you have the name recognition of the publisher you're not getting confused and so that's kind of why publishing houses have those separate imprints yes um and we're going to talk about that more later the next word is developmental edits so basically editing with your editor is broken into different stages Um, developmental edits essentially are big picture edits so um kind of fixing storylines within your book that don't make sense or aren't quite there or aren't strong enough um fixing kind of character arcs so making sure that a character is consistent um and that they are actually experiencing some type of change or are there the way they are in the beginning of the book um makes sense with the way they are at the end of the book um just basically big picture stuff, things that kind of are not nitty gritty, but like are, you know, everything. It's kind of like looking at everything at once, but like in a more holistic way. Um, is that how you describe it? Yeah, I would think so. Like big picture edits to me are like big overarching things like, yeah, character development, big plot issues, things that are like that you can't just change quickly like you gotta put some extra work into it exactly yeah um the next term is line edits uh so line edits are kind of like minute editing so they're really going line by line so it'll be a lot of things like phrases or descriptions that seem awkward um metaphors that maybe don't hit or seem strange um lines that just like they don't think are helpful or necessary it's like very it's like the most nitpicky and that's when you see people like post on twitter and they have this word document and it's just like filled with red it's because they're going in like really minutely and being picky about getting things exactly right line by line and so the next word is copy edits and so copy edits are basically grammar and like making sure your book makes sense and is like um formatted correctly just kind of like structural stuff it's grammar spelling um word usage 
um yeah like some of us used words too often and so those get cut out during copy edits as well um, i use eyes a lot i describe eyes too much um yeah so copy edit is making sure kind of like what you expect like what i expected an editor to be um but they still don't do that for you, you they just tell you what's wrong and you still have to do the copy edits on your own so they're not going to like change it for you it's kind of like oh that's spelled incorrectly could you change that <laughs> rather than them actually changing it for you and the next word is past pages slash proof pages proof pages is what we call it in the uk but past pages is what they call it in the us so past pages is like your final bound manuscript but not actually bound like just in plain paper but what your book is gonna look like when it's printed in a very kind of non-final format uh it's kind of your last chance to make changes to the book so that's where you're going through through and you're really just checking over to make sure everything is correct um if there's anything you want to change that's your last time to do it presumably though some people do still do things after you're also not supposed to make large changes at this point because presumably you've already done those in your developmental edits, in your line edits, um, also in your copy edits. So this is really the nitpickiest time for you and the final time for you to be like, oh no, I didn't want that. And then arcs and proofs. So proofs are basically the UK version of arcs. Um, and an arc is basically an advanced reader copy. It's your book printed with usually a different cover. Sometimes the same cover you're going to have like in the final um, finished copy. But um, it's basically a book that is sent out to different people, bloggers, booktubers, um, other authors to blurb. We'll discuss what blurbing is. Um, just it's sent out to industry professionals, um, sometimes it's sent out to like booksellers it's basically just to get buzz for your book and also to um get opportunities for your book as well it's also sent out to like film agents and write people that sell rights for you and stuff so it's really just a manuscript version of it's, a, it's really just like um an early copy of your manuscript before it becomes a finished copy where you get to do like where you get to have buzz build up and also get rights sold based on this like almost finished copy of your book. And then the next word is actually blurbs. So could you tell everyone what a blurb is? So a blurb is essentially an endorsement from an already established author. Um, how you get blurbs uh, is different depending. Sometimes people's agents will try and solicit for blurbs from other authors, or sometimes your editor will try and solicit them. And sometimes you have to message people yourself to try and grab, grab blurbs but it's essentially that little title like when you see books and there's like a title like I'm thinking right now of Ninth House by Lee Bardugo and like Stephen King has a little quote there where he like says I don't know what he says but he says like I don't know best book ever Stephen King <laughs> that's essentially what blurbs are and the thing is blurbs are not the be all end all for books um a lot of time they make no difference but sometimes a fan of another book will be like um a fan of like Stephen King for example will see that and be like oh okay so if Stephen King liked it I'll like it so the kind of people think that it's gonna help sell more books but it might not so yeah. yeah exactly once you like get more into the industry like you kind of start to like understand the nature of blurbs like a lot of people will get friends to blurb for them 
Um, sometimes people know the author enough that they may blurb without necessarily going through the whole book. Um, yeah, you kind of get to know more about the background behind blurbs. Um, yeah, it also it just like feels very like awkward. Like I think of the idea of having to like contact authors that I really admire and be like, can you please read my book and like maybe you'll like it and say something nice about it. Thank you, goodbye forever. <laughs> like, and they're like, no. <laughs> and you know, it's like some people like really just don't have time. Like especially like really influential authors that you're asking like how many other people are asking them to blur books on top of them writing books and like doing their own thing and that sort of stuff like they have so many things they're already doing and then they have a bunch of people being like can you please read my whole book and like say something nice about it like it's a lot of work and so it can't blurb everybody the next term is um gonna lead on to a whole new other thing and it's called a nice deal and it's about advances basically i feel like i need to like go backwards and just basically describe the different things but basically um with a deal announcement in Publishers Weekly, where they're usually announced. Um, sometimes you'll see terms in Publishers Weekly, like, announcements. So those terms kind of tell people how much this author got for their book. Um, it's horrible sometimes because you don't really want to know what people are getting because it just, like, it creates jealousy and competition and unhealthy competition. Um, but we're going to talk about, basically, the terms. So Nice Deal is um any book that is between one dollar and forty nine thousand dollars um that is quite an average book deal it's what a lot of people get um and yeah so the next deal term is very nice deal i laugh because like the nice deal term kills me i'm like wow the widest range ever right (laughs) one dollar to forty nine thousand yeah, though I'd said that to a friend and she reminded me, she was like, you know, like some people technically don't get any advance. So sometimes I think they say nice deal to be like, they got some amount of money because you constantly forget that some people actually don't get an advance at all. Um, so that's, so the nice deal does actually indicate something. A very nice deal is anything from $50,000 to $99,000. And it's really funny, like, um, when you're going to hear these adjectives, because, like, they're just such a weird way to describe a book. Like, when you say very nice, I feel like very nice is better than good. Um, yeah. But the next term is a good deal, which is $100,000 to $250,000, I think. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's a good deal. And when you say good deal as well, it's like, that's more than good. That's six figures. Um, the next oh term God. is significant deal. So significant deal, hold on, let me remember this. So significant deal is 250 to 500. Or yes. Like 499, correct? Yes. 499 so, or 500. Yeah, I think people, people say both. Um, yeah. But like, that's a quarter of a million to half a million. That's, that's very significant. Yes. And then it's funny because, yeah, significant, like, and major, because major is coming next. Significant seems like more than major. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It makes no sense. Um, Yeah. I think at this point for me, it makes sense because I've I've heard it so many times. I'm just like, yeah, I know which one is what. But when you first hear it, you're like, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) Yeah. Who made this up and why did they think that major sounded more than significant? Than significant. Ugh. (laughs) 
a major deal is basically anything more than half a million. Um, so some people have seven figure deals, which is like in the millions and they're very lucky people. <laughs> oh, and sometimes they just like say six figure deal. Like they don't even bother with the terms probably because they also think they're ridiculous. So yeah. they just say like six figure deal. Also, I feel like when you hear someone gets a significant deal, that's a huge thing. But when you hear major deal, that's a different level. And it kind of creates, it creates something. I feel like something is said, like, um, but like unsaid, but said um, about major deals. Um, there's a lot of pressure on the author. When you hear six figure deals, you're like, oh, that's amazing. But you don't exactly know what the range is. So you're kind of like, it's still big, but it could be a lower one. Um, so it may just kind of be they may be able to still sell enough but when you hear someone's gotten a major deal there's so much pressure put on them especially for a debut and there's some debuts that are given major deals and um everyone's watching them if they don't go on the nyt list everyone's watching everyone's judging if they don't um get enough buzz if they're not getting marketing everyone's watching basically i feel like with significant people often aren't watching as much um but with major everyone's watching yeah absolutely and it's like i before like I didn't really have a proper scope of what major really meant I think because major seemed so large I was like oh okay so all those people are getting five hundred thousand dollars and then later on when I learned really like what the advances were for authors like oh no millions the last two terms are imprints and big five so can you tell us what imprints are uh so imprints are essentially like they are sub-publishing houses under a larger publishing house umbrella. And publishers do this to separate out branding. So they'll have like a young adult imprint and an adult imprint and to separate those two names so that if you're an adult looking for adult books from, say, Simon & Schuster, you know these imprints have these sorts of books and probably you don't think of those in your head. Like, I don't think anyone's going out like, gotta find myself, you know, a Simon Paul's book, but it just helps separate out branding for the business, for the publishing house, and also I assume for booksellers, etc. And the thing is, I feel like people unconsciously know about this. Like you don't think to yourself, "Oh, I know this is young adult," but you know that all your favorite books come from that that imprint. So you're like, "Okay, so clearly there's a pattern here. I'm not going to find an adult book there." Yeah, you start to like recognize them and that sort of thing like you start to hear about them the names become a little bit more recognizable um maybe you're not purposely picking books like that but yeah like i think you kind of unconsciously understand that and then the big five um the big five are basically five publishers specifically in the u.s i think in the uk it's not as um black and white but in the US, the big five are basically Penguin Random House. They used to be big six, but Penguin and Random House merged together beca- to become Penguin Random House. Um, HarperCollins, uh, Simon & Schuster, Macmillan, and Hachette. So the big five are basically the big five publishers. They're not, they're not like the most successful publishers all the time, but they're the ones that kind of are the ones that have like a legacy of a long-term like they've been in publishing since the beginning so um they're huge like there's some huge publishers that you all know of that um are not part of the book five but they're still huge and we're going to talk about them next but um yeah that's what the big five are and the big five are the same in canada as well okay cool 
I think they're more or less the same kind of in the UK, but like there are some other things that are included as well. Um, mm-hmm. And in Australia, I know it's completely different. It's so different. Oh, yeah. I have no idea what's going on in Australia. <laughs> One of my friends, Cass. Hi, Cass. Um, she's Australian, but she's living in Fr- France with her partner. And um, yeah, she says that it's just completely different. There's like some publishers that are the big five in the US don't even exist in Australia. Interesting. But yeah, um, so the next question I'm going to ask is um, what houses or publishers stood out to you before you were in the industry or knew anything about the industry? Like what was on your radar? I think definitely like the big five publishing houses that I could think of. Like I was like, okay, like Penguin Random House, but that's not itself an imprint. Um, the more I learned about it, the more different things stood out to me. Like Simon Pulse, I always knew Harper Collins. Uh, Tortine was a big one, Razorbill, and Wednesday Books had really stood out to me because they were doing something different. Like, they really became known as the imprint that did crossover titles. So if you wanted to write a book that, like, appealed to YA and adult readers, and it was, like, very on that border between, is this a YA book or is this an adult book? Like, Wednesday Books was the imprint for you. And so those were the ones that ended up standing out to me yes i i had a completely different experience um i wasn't really aware of u.s publishing until i got into the publishing industry so um i mostly knew uk ones um so i knew i knew the big ones like penguin penguin random house i knew harper collins i knew my publisher because um one of my favorite authors from when i was a teen is published by them and i knew bloomsbury because of harry potter um but yeah, I knew kind of only those ones, really. Um, I knew a few others, but I didn't really know them well enough. But those are the kind of main ones I knew. Yeah. And Canada is like kind of weird because I had always only paid attention to U.S. publishers. And I think that's because often like Canadians will be published by a U.S. publisher that will like buy rights that are like North American rights at the least. So it always includes Canada. And it always, I don't know, to me, it always seemed kind of weird to sell a book in Canada though obviously it's not but that was just never the scope like so much of the research and things that I'd learned about querying the publishing industry was so U.S. focused and the U.S. is so close to Canada that it always just seemed like like I always just concentrated on the U.S. anyway. It's interesting that um this is kind of the one area in life where the U.S. weren't in focus I feel like everywhere else in TV and everything, they're all over in the UK. But like um, with publishing, it feels like the UK have kind of really established themselves, I think, because obviously literature is quite um, a big part of the UK culture. So we had our own kind of bubble. Um, but the next question is an interesting one. What's your favourite books from your publisher? I'm very excited to answer this. Uh, Slay by Brittany Morris, definitely, um, which is now out. I got an advanced copy at BookCon and it was really good and I loved it. And Brittany is like super cool online too. And then Starfish, this was actually one I wanted to read forever. And my editor, she was like, we're going to send you a box of Simon Pulse books. Um, Is there anything that you want in particular? And I was like, Starfish. (laughs) So Starfish by Acme Dodd Bowman. And I read that on the plane to BookNet Fest. Um, and I like bawled like a little baby. It's such a beautiful book, and it took me like I it took me like I think a couple chapters in to like grasp that 
normally but like once you like get into the middle of the end it's like this is a really beautiful raw intense book and yeah like those are the two standouts to me from Simon Pulse that I've absolutely adored I think Akemi actually lives in Scotland I'm not sure if I made that up but I'm pretty sure she lives here interesting so that's cool and I really I've heard amazing things about her books and I'm so like behind on my reading but I need to check out her books because I've got them on my shelves but I've just been so busy with so many things um but for me um with my publisher I actually read um Holly Bourne which is like a big UKYA author um when I was 14 and I fell in love with her stories um soulmate soulmates and um the manifesto on how to be interesting and I was like, who publishes this? Because it's so amazing. I want to read every book she's ever written. And I turned the book around and I was like, oh, okay, Osborne. And then um, then I read the Anna and the French Kiss series, which is like Anna and the French Kiss, um, Lola and the Boy Next Door, and Isla and the Happily Ever After, which is also published by Osborne. And I was like, oh my God, I love this book and I love this series. And then also Meredith Russo, um, who writes um, If I Was Your Girl and Birthday, which recently came out. So yeah, there's a lot of books from Osborne that I've loved for years. Um, so yeah. I didn't know Meredith was uh, from the UK. Oh no, I think she's from the US, but her UK um, publisher is um, Osborne. Okay, okay. Getting um, them like organized in my head. <laughs> yeah, read If I Was Your Girl, yeah. She's an amazing writer. Yeah, it was good. I really liked it. And the cover is like beautiful. I'm such a like, I'm like a big cover hoe. Like, <laughs> Starfish and Slay, I'm like, these covers are beautiful. And that's a big thing for me. When I saw Slay, I was like, oh my God, like, this is a big deal. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like just a few years ago, we didn't even see black people like this on the cover. Um, yeah. So it was just amazing to see. Yeah. And now it's like lots of covers. Like, I think of like a full disclosure like that cover oh my god gorgeous and that's like a dark-skinned black girl so that's cool i'm gonna put all of this in the show notes so people can like check out these books but we're gonna get into um the publishers that we're gonna talk about today so first we're gonna start off with 10 u.s publishers plus a bonus one and talk about like kind of the imprints in brief and also um some books you may know from there so firstly penguin random house uh, Penguin Random House, some books that, like, really stood out to me from that publisher, like, Forest of a Thousand Lanterns by Julie Dow, I love, and that's from Philomel, which is one of the imprints there, I love it so much, it's like a villain origin story, it makes me so happy, she eats hearts, it's fantastic, and Ember in the Ashes from Razorbill, um, that's by Saba Tahir, Razorbone was one of those, like, imprints that stood out to me, for sure. Like, I had heard that name a lot. Um, and Saba's series is very well known. Though I've only read the first book because I'm terrible and I'm a very slow reader. But that one, for sure. And then Delacorte is another big publisher under Penguin Random House. And Wilder Girls by Rory Power. That was something that recently came up from them, the cover of that book, which as a cover hoe, I love so much. I don't usually buy physical books, but I went out and bought the physical book so that I could look at the cover all the time. I've also heard of Viking Crown. Yeah, I've heard, like, Penguin have so many um, imprints. When I was doing the research for this for this um, episode, I was just kind of like, wow, they have, like, so many that I've heard of. But, wow, 
Um, also, yeah. um, Nick Stone's um, Dear Martin. There's also a book I recently read that I loved that just hit the NYT list, um, American Royals by Catherine McGee. So good. Mm. I've heard of that book. I've seen the cover of that one too, and I liked it. <laughs> In the UK, it's um, they have um, pink sprayed edges. Oh, you guys always get like all of the sprayed edges. Not all of us. Do you know how much I want a sprayed edge book? Like I'm, I will cry. <laughs> Well, they sell, they seem to sell them all in the UK all the time. I've been, I'm going to be going to uh, London uh, for my birthday, and I'm so ready to get the Devouring Grey um, with its, like, pink cover and pink edges. Like, I'm so hyped for it. You're going to spend so much money. <laughs> I'm only going to buy one book. I told myself oh my God. Like, you can only buy one book, and you know that book and that uk cover is the one you always wanted good so luck get that one only <laughs> <laughs> you should go to gaze the word oh yeah i do want to go there it's such and a lovely I have lots of time so you're here for a week right yeah like a week oh my basically. god like eight nights oh gosh okay there's so much to do <laughs> do you like dessert i love dessert oh my god i've got a place and you're gonna die when you eat it oh my god I, I think about it constantly. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited. But basically, um, also from Penguin Random House, um, I wanted to just like highlight some books that are coming out from my friends who are very talented. Um, Louisa's book, Louisa Enome, um, I said her name wrong again because I'm very British and we do everything wrong. Um, but Louisa's book's coming out with Delacorte and that's called Comes and Goes for now and it's coming out in 2021. And then um, also my friend Namina Fauna, her book comes out from Delacorte as well. Um, and that's called The Gilded Ones and that comes out in July 2020 um, from Osborne in the UK and Delacorte in the US. And then actually this book has already come out, but I feel like it's so underrated and everyone needs to read it. It's called People Like Us by Dana Meal. And it's basically mean girls, but with murder and gay girls. So it is everything and no one is talking about it and I'm so mad. That um, sounds yeah. really good. That sounds fantastic. It's one of my favorite books of all time. It's so well written. Um, I was first introduced to Dana through author mental match i submitted to her because i'd heard of her like book and i've also heard of like what she likes to read and stuff from the list and we got on really well okay let's go on to harper collins um yeah. so yeah like the imprints and just like some books that are quite popular from harper collins there's a lot so yeah harper collins is a big one um harper teen which is like i think like the big harper collins kind of imprint um, they both die at the end by Adam Silvera, which also made me ball like a small child. Oh my god, um, same. <laughs> which I didn't think it would like the first couple. I'm like so like that. I always want to like live or die by the first page I read. But then there are a lot of books where like by the third chapter, I I loved it, even though on the first one I was kind of shaky, which was how I was with. They both die at the end. I was like, oh, there's a lot of perspectives in this. But then by like three chapters in, I didn't care and I loved everything. And then I cried so much at the end. Um, and uh, Balzer and Bray is a big one. Balzer and Bray, I just have Angie Thomas. That's <laughs> just all I've written. I'm just like, yeah, whatever Angie Thomas has written. Um, and I know she's Balzer and Bray. 
Uh, Catherine Teigen is another one. Um, Monday's Not Coming by Tiffany D. Jackson is another one from there. That's also another one where I was, like, shaky in the beginning, but, like, is really good. It's, like, a really good, like... I grew up in, like, a very different sort of black neighborhood and environment than, like, I think some people in the States do when they talk about that. Um, So it was a really different experience like it was being black in the states and like what is considered the quote-unquote hood so it was a really different experience to read about and very different from my upbringing but also super interesting and like when the twist in this thriller hits like everything is over like i lost my freaking mind oh my god i need to read it (laughs) yeah it's just like so good and I listened on audiobooks so then it was like me strolling along with my headphones and then the twist was announced and I was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) it's like everything is amazing um and that's so much the case with like thrillers like twist just hit um Harlequin 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 Teen now Inkyard Press because they rebranded I think because people kept thinking like because it was associated with the Harlequin name, everybody always just assumed it was romance books, which I was definitely one of those people. Um, and so I think that's kind of like the rebranding to Inkyard. And they're actually picking up a lot of like books by black authors. Um, Alicia Dow's The Sound of Stars, which comes out in 2020, like, beautiful cover. Out to me. So beautiful. Like I looked at it and I was like, this is the best cover. <laughs> so many covers so nice but yeah it's a super beautiful cover but i don't actually think i've read like anything from there where i was like i love this book um but i'm really looking forward to a lot of books coming out from them and no i don't think that's with harlequin teen i was gonna name something but i was like oh i don't actually think there was inkyard press so never mind some people i can think of with balsam bray um there's um becky abatali um Uh, some of her books are with them um, I know that in the UK she's with Penguin, but um, in the US I think she's with Balsam and Bray. I've, I've seen like the big B and B on my mm-hmm. um, bookshelf when I get UK um, US covers. Um, and then also um, my friend Rosie Brown, her book is coming out next year, June twenty twenty. Um, it's called A Song of Race and Ruin, and it sounds amazing. And it's like inspired by West Africa and North Africa, and it's just so cool. And yeah. Um, and also my friend Shannon Smart, um, her book's coming out from Harper Teen, which is Witches Steeped in Gold 2021. So there's so many books I'm looking forward to. And I feel like we're in a really good time right now where they're letting a lot of black authors in. Like, I feel like I'm hearing so many amazing announcements and there's so much to be done because we're not there yet. Um, but I'm loving where we are right now. There's Alicia, there's Shannon, there's Rosie, there's Namina, uh, yeah. and then there's us as well. So, so I'm so many excited. More coming out. So exciting. Yeah. And I've like, also like very interestingly, like in my debut group, like 2021, a lot of like black witches books specifically have been coming out. Uh, Jessica Lewis also recently announced ones. Hers is also untitled, like mine. Um, but she's got a Black Witches book. Shannon has a Black Witches book. Um, JL has a Black Witches book. I'm oh my like, God. it's gonna be like, I was like, we need a hashtag. You really do. Black Witches in 2021. I love it. I feel like you guys need to have like t-shirts made or something. Yeah, we, we gotta do something. <laughs> Let's move on to your publisher. Simon and Schuster. So, 
could you introduce us to some of their imprints and some books that you're interested they're not interested in and some books that are popular by them yes I can. Uh, so Simon Schuster, Simon Teen, uh, obviously Starfish and Slay, which I had talked about earlier, are from Simon Teen. Also, I talked about uh, Crown of Feathers by Nikki Palpredo is from there, who is my editor sister, and also um, A Dark and Hollow Star by Ashley Shuttleworth. That one's coming out in 2021. We are also editor sisters. We're all Canadian. That's oh my God. I was like, wow, I, and it's really funny because my agent sister, uh, Kelly Powell, whose book, um, Songs from the Deep is coming out in November of this year, um, we're agent sisters and we're also both with Simon and Schuster. Oh my gosh. And we're both Canadian, so I'm like, so my agent has collected all these Canadians and my editor has collected all these Canadians. And it's like a really interesting dynamic, but it's also really nice because then I always know kind of what people are like. Like I had subbed, I had uh, queried Christy because I knew that Kelly loved her so much and I felt so good about Sarah because these Canadian authors I knew loved her so much. And so it's like, it's really nice. You just know that everybody's great. Um, also Simon Schuster was great. They have Salam Reads, which is like an imprint for like Muslim authors and books about uh, Muslim characters. And Hannah Alcaf's The Weight of Our Sky is from theirs, which I haven't read yet, though I very, very much mean to read. And I really do, but I read so slow. It takes me so long to get to titles. Um, and also uh, Margaret K. McKeldry is another imprint with Simon, Simon & Schuster. Um, that's where Kelly's book is coming out from, Songs from the Deep, um, in November 2019. And also a ton of Cassie Clare's books. I think when I was learning about Margaret K. McGeldry, I called it the Cassie Clare imprint. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just like all of Cassie Clare's books. And she is really producing enough. Like It is like very much the Cassie Clare imprint. Um, yeah, and all her books are there. That's interesting. I see her as Walker Books because she's in the UK. So I had no idea yeah. that she was Simon & Schuster in the US. Yeah, which I noticed. I was like, oh, I was like, Cassie Clare's books are with Walker Books. Her books are, there's so many of them. I'm a fan of Cassie Clare, so I love that there's so many. Um, but yeah, that's like... I think the series is like 20 books at this point. <laughs> she has so many books. And I like, I remember when I was a teen, I had read The Mortar mortal instruments i read the original trilogy yeah and then she like was like surprise there's a fourth book and i started <laughs> to read it and then she was like surprise there's a fifth book and i was like i can't <laughs> and i just gave up i never finished the fourth book i think I that like, would have been I me can't do it. that definitely would have been me if i read them while they were coming out but i read them yeah. back in 2014 i think so i um I, they were already all come out, so I never even knew it was a trilogy until late, much later. I was like, this was going to be a trilogy? Thank God it wasn't. And um, so, yeah, I read almost all her books. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm so the opposite. Like, if I can read the books as they're coming out, then I'm so on top of it. Like, that's why I can, like, I've read basically all of Lee Bardugo's books because it's kind of been as they've been coming out with the exception of the Shadow of Bone series, which I binge read. But, like things like six of crows and like king of scars and like now ninth house and like i'm getting to read it as it's coming out so i feel like i can keep up but like with cassie claire like 
I had read three books as a teen, and then by the time I was an adult, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll get back into Cassie Clare. She already had, like, six new books, and I was, like, too overwhelming. I can't. <laughs> I don't blame you. That's a lot. But, like, I feel like I saw it as a challenge. I read her first yeah. series in a week. Like, I read six of her books in a week. Um, wow. So I was like... Those girls are thick. They're thick. I think the shortest one is, like, 400 pages. Oh, God. The longest one's 800 pages. Oh, God. So I was dedicated. <laughs> and then moving on to Macmillan. So yeah, could you like discuss some imprints there in like books? Yeah, so uh, King of Scars by Lee Bardugo is with Imprint, which I, I love the name of Imprint. It's like so meta. <laughs> <laughs> We're an imprint. Our name is Imprint. Uh, also, uh, The Merciful Crow by Margaret Owen, which I had read recently and i actually got to meet her as well um when she had done an event in uh canada along with uh ek johnson who had actually invited me to the event which was super super nice i always love when like senior authors are like very supportive of like new coming in authors like me too it's so like beautiful and nice and it's like wow i like knew you growing up and now i am meeting you um but uh her book, Merciful Crow, is awesome. Believe the hype. Like, those people that were fighting for her book at BookCon, I'm like, okay, I kind of understand what you're about. I still would never fight like that. I would never scrapple for a book I like that. I still have that, nightmares. But... <laughs> <laughs> at BookCon, I'm never going back as a, as a reader. That was traumatic. No one prepared me for that. People said it was kind of intense. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I was with Lizelle. I was like, I think I'm going to just go and get a book. And then people were, like, hitting each other. There was a person that used her bug, like her buggy, her um, push chair to like slap someone out the way. I felt like crying. <laughs> oh my god, it was anarchy. It's like it felt like, uh, oh my gosh, what's that book where the little boys go to an island and they just like go wild and kill each other oh, off? Lord uh, of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. That's what it felt <laughs> like. like <people> Literally, were <laughs> wild. People were running. I don't know, people just, like, lost their damn minds. I'm sure friendships yeah. were ended over that. Like. Oh, I'm sure. It was ridiculous. So, like, I would never scrap and cry over The Merciful Crow, but it was a very, very good book. And so, believe the hype. And uh, that's from Henry Holt. Um, also, uh, Children of Blood and Bone, obviously, is from... Uh, or not obviously from Henry Holt, but, like, that's a very big title from that imprint and six of crows is with henry hold as well and wednesday books is with mcmillan um and sadie by courtney summers um which if you haven't listened to like listen to it on audio because if you have the means of listening to it that way and like that fits your ability like it's awesome in an audio format and that's from wednesday books as well Trigger warnings like, though, right yes Yes, trigger warnings for Sadie um, for, like, sexual abuse discussions of and some, like, graphic descriptions of and also, like, parental neglect generally. Um, Very sad book. I think that's it, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's, like, for me, it's, like, it's so interesting. I'm one of those people where, like, when I read a similar, like, abuse situation, I feel very, like, seen by it. And so I don't feel the sadness. I'm just, like, so pleased to see the representation. And so I miss that, like, sadness bit. Uh, but, yeah, for sure. 
I feel like with Sadie, the audiobook, I, I agree, it's one of the best, if not the best I've ever read. It felt like I was listening to, like, a show. Yes. Like, I had closed my eyes and there was a TV show going on. Yeah, and then because it has that podcasting element in it, it really, like, felt like a, like a full podcast episode. And at the time, I was also very into murder podcasts, so it was <laughs> right up my alley. Um, but yeah, um, Wednesday books are huge. They also have like Wicked Saints. Did you already mention mm-hmm. that? The Gilded Wolves, right? Yes, 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 yes. Me and Lizelle, I'm going to cut everything we've been talking about out, but we've just been gossiping. But um, <laughs> <laughs> just to finish up on Macmillan, um, my friend, um, I'm just shouting out all my friends in this because, yeah. Yeah, me as well. Uh, my friend Fran, um, Francesca Flores, um, her book The Diamond City is coming out in 2020 from Wednesday Books um, and it's going to be huge. She is so talented. I read like an excerpt of it and I was like, this is amazing. So look out for that. And then we're going to move on to Hachette. So yeah. Okay. Uh, so Hachette, uh, Little Brown Books for Young Readers, I believe is like the full title of the imprint. Uh, but The Cruel Prince and The Wicked King and the forthcoming Queen of Nothing by Holly Black. Uh, that's a big series from there. That's also a series I really love. Um, and I'm not usually like a fairy girl, but like I'm really into it. I'm very, very into it. Um, and also Girls of Paper. Girls of, I like, I wrote down Girls of Paper and Shadow because I combined <laughs> her two book titles. Girls of Paper and Fire and Girls of Storm and Shadow by uh, Natasha Mian, um, which I hope I'm saying her last name right, is uh, a title from Jimmy Patterson. Um, it's such a good book and series, and Natasha is so super nice. Like I always love hearing her interviews and like getting to get my book signed by her at BookCon was awesome and it's I love that series I really do love it and trigger warning for that series as well um for sexual abuse and it's on page as well which I had initially not been quite prepared for but um yeah it's on page uh and also The Bells by Donnell Clayton um that's from Disney Hyperion which is also under Hachette um, when I first heard of Hachette as, like, the big five, I was like, who? It was knowing the imprints underneath where I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I do actually recognize a lot of these. Moving on to Scholastic. Um, yeah, so the imprints from Scholastic and some books that we should look out for or are big in Scholastic. I've always just known, like, Scholastic is Scholastic, interestingly. And I don't know if that's because it's, like, mixed up because in Canada we had scholastic book fairs which i know they do in the u.s where they like send you a catalog home and you like stress out your parents with all the books you want because you don't understand the value of money (laughs) (laughs) which i would do and i'd be like i want this box set and you're like i'd get the catalog and i'd like circle everything i wanted which would be like 20 things and my mom would be like okay you can get like one or two things because i was an only child and spoiled and I get like a box set of stuff so I remember a lot of like actually like middle grade titles from there like the babysitters club books and like I think magic treehouse I'm not sure if they did magic treehouse either but like those are always at the fairs but like a teen title that's really big from there is uh the hunger games for sure the hunger games is like 
I uh, went to look up the, hung- the Hunger Games on Goodreads, and I just wrote the, and the Hunger Games was the first thing that came Wow. Up. Like, it's real big. That's yeah. what we want. <laughs> I don't know if that's what I want. I mean... <laughs> I mean, it's kind of goals, because, like, there, and then your book's just there, but yeah, it's, it's a lot true. of pressure. I think, I think I was thinking of the whole package of The Hunger Games, and, like, the fact that, like, however many years later, like, the next book coming out is also a Hunger Games book, and I feel like sometimes when you have, like, so much notoriety around your book, like, that ends up being the only thing you get to write. I, I don't envy authors who can't like really write other things and be as successful like um there's there's only a few books like that like harry potter the hunger games um where they've written such like iconic books that they can't really do much outside of that yeah that's just so depressing yeah or like jk Rowling, i guess you like change your name and (laughs) you write a completely different genre and that's how you get to write different books that's true exactly richard galbraith i think yeah i thought it was robert i'm incorrect Oh, it's, I think it's Robert, maybe. Is it? No, I think it is Richard. I don't know. Something Galbraith. Yeah, exactly. We just knew the last name. And it's yeah, R something. <laughs> yeah, I only know Galbraith because it sounded magic and so that's what stood out. With Scholastic, I was actually surprised to find some of the imprints I know of, but I had no idea there were Scholastic imprints. Um, one of them is Chicken House, which is a big thing in the UK. I don't know if it's like a thing in the US. But Chicken House is like a really big um, publisher in the UK. I just thought they were a publisher on their own. But I found out they're Scholastic's imprint. And I was like, what? Um, and then recently I found out about Push because Mason Diva's I Wish You All The Best came out um, from that. Um, and also Scholastic are publishing Clarabelle's book, uh, Ghost Squad, which is going to be amazing. Yes. I love spooky stuff, so I'm excited for that. And I know that Harry Potter was um, published by Scholastic in the US. Yes. Exactly. Though for some, for whatever reason, I still like Bloomsbury is what stood out to me for Harry Potter for whatever reason. Even though I know, like top of mind, that it was done as Scholastic in the U.S. and in Canada. I think for me, obviously, it's Bloomsbury in my head because of um, I'm from the U.K. Um, mm-hmm. But I watched something about J.K. Rowling's career and stuff, and I realized, oh yeah, she got the big deal from Scholastic. Um, that's kind of what changed her career. So. Yeah, it's interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. So moving on to Disney, which is um, an imprint, um, but like um, I wanted to just talk about Disney more because we have some cool things like Rick Riordan Presents. Um, mm-hmm. I hope I'm saying that right. I just say so many things wrong because I speak the colonized language. But yeah, Disney. Do you have anything to say about them? The Bells by Donald Clayton that I mentioned before, but also I know they do all those Marvel books, like the YA Marvel books. So uh, Wonder Woman that Lee Bardugo did, um, Miles Morales that, um, oh my God, Jason Reynolds did. (laughs) Like my brain is breaking. Uh, Yeah, like lots of those different, I think, oh, Catwoman is what Sarah J. Moss did. And then there's Loki by um, Mackenzie Lee. Yes. Is that his name? Loki? Yeah, Loki. Okay. And then, I'm trying to think, I think those are are all the Disney ones I can think of. And they also, do they do the Star Wars books as well? I'm not sure, actually. Because I would assume so, because that's their property. How about Black Panther? Yeah, Black Panther. Yeah, Nick Stone's writing Shuri's book. Yes. 
And that's like a graphic novel, though, right? Oh, is it? I, I have no clue. I'm just like, that's so I cool. Don't know. I don't know. I saw. I thought it was a graphic novel. She posted a cover recently. It was really cool. Wait. When I was a teenager, I read YA books, but I honestly read a lot more Harry Potter and Yasha fan fiction than anything. Do you know what's embarrassing, actually? Like, um, I think someone asked me kind of like what my reading experience was as a teenager um to get me to where I was I am now and I was just thinking I read a lot of books but I really read mostly fan fiction um so that's my answer fan fiction there's so many fanfic authors that are just incredible I used to share with my sister we used to read Harry Potter fan fiction and she'd send me her favorite ones um oh, yeah. she's she's a harmony shipper uh wait so Hermione and Harry she can't stand yeah. Ginny and Harry. I, I agree completely. No, Ginny and Harry is horrible. I've always <laughs> been a very strong Harry Draco shipper. Okay. I'm uh, very on the dreary. Sometimes I can do a Hermione Draco, but it's not my fave. Oh, my sister also loves Draco and Hermione. Yeah, I like, I get it. Like, I get, I get the, the hate to lovers appeal. Um, I think I just always, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't appeal to me as much as the Harry Draco I think because Harry's always in this like chosen one position he's like all broody so he's kind of I like love the ones where like Harry like hates Ron and he like becomes friends with Draco because he fucking <laughs> hates Ron so much. <laughs> I also I also hate Ron and oh my then, god like, I hate Ron too oh my gosh <laughs> he's the worst he's so horrible I love that when like Harry stops being friends with Ron, eventually, like, usually Hermione comes around. She usually stays friends with Ron for a while. And then she, like, understands that Harry and Draco would be much better to be friends with. <laughs> <laughs> and then they all leave that. Or, like, where Harry grows up and he's, like, really dark. And he's, like, involved in, like, the dark arts. But he's, like, better than Voldemort because he's not racist. <laughs> but, like, he is very into the dark arts. And, like, him and Draco get into the dark arts together. I'm so into it. I love this. <laughs> and I think with Hermione, because Hermione's not, like, so integral to the plot in that way, like, the whole story doesn't change if Hermione decides to be dark. That's why I've never liked Germani. And then also because usually when they do Germani, like, they, she, like, doesn't like Harry and Ron. And yeah. I, like, I still really like Harry. So <laughs> I don't want Ron to be involved, but I don't want us to hate Harry. And I don't want Harry to be mean to Draco either. That should have been the way Harry Potter was written. Ron dies for mysterious circumstances. And either Drarry happens or, like, just not Ginny and Harry. Yeah, um, no, Ginny and Harry is ridiculous and it makes me so mad. And I also, like, get really upset about how things, like, went over. Well, no, you know what? I was all right with how things went over for Draco. And she did, like, even though I hate the cursed child, she did really smooth out things for draco which made me happy like people got to understand that he became a better person and i know he was a privileged white boy but he learned and he did a little bit better (laughs) 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 and his son is wonderful scorpius is the best and they deserve happiness but then she ruined scorpio by randomly sticking him with Hermione and Ron's child for no reason. Why are we keeping it like this in the family? Like, why are they doing so much intermixing? Like, yeah, why is it so (laughs) incesty? beyond yourself like the whole wizarding world with all these small families like was already incesty, and you just keep trying to make it more incest like. 
nobody asked for this like you don't have to like be in love with your best friend I really wanted Harry in the book to end up with Luna that made the most yes. logical oh sense my to God. me they both were orphans by the end Luna had always like come to Harry and really understood him in times when his friends hadn't um, and he had always been so nice and understanding of her and like appreciative of her being like a different individual I thought it would have been so much nicer of an ending. They could have created a brand new family together from two people that hadn't had a family. That gave me angry. <laughs> I know, right? It makes me so mad because I'm like, you just stomped all over everything you were trying to teach people. You were trying to talk about how amazing it was to have a found family. And I was like, wouldn't it have been stronger if Harry and Ginny could have just been really good friends and if harry could have been part of ron's family without actually being a part of it and then he could have brought luna in luna could have been part of the giant weasley family like you didn't have to like be like married and sticking dicks in each other to get family like <laughs> it was so upset anyway this is why i spent so much time with fanfiction. <laughs> but i think authors do it right like they just know what you want and they just I've cried so many times reading fan fiction, but yeah, I 100% agree. I feel like, um, this, uh, this is just turning into a Harry Potter discussion. Ginny and Harry were so random. I, I was watching a movie recently because I realized I haven't watched the last movies. Like I just randomly realized I have no idea what the movies look like. I've never watched them. So I was watching them and there's a scene where Ginny, um, and her boyfriend, Dean, I don't know why they were yeah. dating either. Um, I was like, why is anyone dating Ginny at this point? But like they were having problems and she kept on crying and then Harry was like, Harry did not care, but like Hermione was like, I know you like Ginny. And I'm like, where did he, like, where did this happen? Where? He's <laughs> like, oh, do I like Ginny? Yeah. Oh, he's like, so. oh yeah, I guess. And then Hermione's like, it's hard, you know? And then she's like saying, I like Ron and stuff. And I'm like, why sis? There's so many other options. <laughs> Dean right? is oh, available. He was horrible to you. I hate him so much. He's such a bad friend. He's a horrible he human is being. He's a bad friend. And I know people are like, oh, but you know, Ron was a teenager. And I was like, yeah, I had teenage friends that weren't assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and there were toxic teenage friends. And he definitely seems like that. He's one of them. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Uh. yeah I read all the ones, like the fanfics, where they're all adults. Because the second I was an adult, I was like, oh, weird to read. <laughs> and so i just read all the next generation ones and i love the ones where like harry and jenny are a couple and then harry's like what the hell i didn't actually like you and they're divorced <laughs> and then he has to do some sort of task in the ministry with draco because uh he's an r draco is always like doing some sort of like he always gets mixed up in a dark arts thing that he didn't want to be mixed up in because he's reformed now oh my anyway. god <laughs> you and harry have to work together somehow and harry's like wow i'm recently divorced and now i realize i should have just been with draco all along oh my god (laughs) (laughs) oh fanfic moving on to um the next um well the next publisher um bloomsbury which is really um relevant i guess um, this is Bloomsbury US. So, what do you know about Bloomsbury and like any big authors you can think of? Honestly, like, and Bloomsbury, I I guess I'm always thinking of Bloomsbury UK because Harry Potter is the only thing that really like stands out to me. Okay. Like every time I think of Bloomsbury, I think of Harry Potter. There's one author I know, Samantha Shannon. Um, her book, the the Bone Season. 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. I've heard that. But yeah, that's um, who I know from Bloomsbury. And then moving on to Soho Teen. Um, I know Samira Med's books are mm-hmm. with them, like Love, Hate, and Other Filters. Um, I don't think Internment is with them. I don't think so either. Mm-hmm. I know but... that um, Adam Savira's debut was with them. Uh, More Happy Than Not? Yes. Yes, which is a fantastic book. Oh, it's I so also good. I bald like a baby. I have to really prepare myself to like read Adam Silvera books because I know I'm probably gonna cry a bunch. I actually didn't cry with that book. I found it, I found it depressing, but like I didn't cry. I cried with History's All You Left. There. I cried with um, I cried in like frustration, <laughs> and then I love that book so much though. And then the last book, The Booth Die at the end, I was like, I'm not gonna cry. Like this is like a sad book and everything, but at the very end, I was like, this is depressing and life sucks. <laughs> Yeah, no, I cried like a bit. You know what it is? It's that ending line, and they both die at the end, and like there's just like a circularness of it. Oh, it just like it it hit me. I like cried because I it was sad, but it was also like beautiful in a way. And then also I was like, wow, that ending really hit. I'm looking through it right now to see what the ending was. Hold on a second. Oh my god. Yeah. So like it goes across the street without an arm to hold me back because I remember at the beginning it was foreshadowed. Yeah, exactly. Street. It was one of those things where I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "That's so good. That's so good." Just writing wise. The last two U.S. publishers, um, Page Street and HMH. Um, so Page Street, um, they're distributed by Macmillan, and I haven't read any Page Street books, but one that actually I have read one because it's coming out next year, May twelfth, twenty twenty, which is the Henna Wars. But um, yeah. Page Street is one, um, and then there's also HMH, which has Alexa Dunn's Brightly Burning. Do you have anything to say about this too? Yeah, I only know HMH for Alexa's books, um, and Page Street I had heard about a lot. I haven't read any of the Page Street books, though I know Adiba's book, uh, Hannah Wars, is coming out from Page Street, but I had heard about it a lot because people started talking about Page Street as like really like being up and coming as like a smaller publisher it's uh distributed by Macmillan in the same way that like uh the new like how uh Wattpad is publishing books they're also distributed by Macmillan um but I'd heard of Page Street as like being really like good about working with their authors and like being really on the ball and then Ashley Hearn who's like a very well-known uh pitch wars mentor um she's an editor with that imprint and they also did a really cool thing a little while back where they were allowing um agented or agented or unagented or unagented authors um to send in like a pitch for a book to them just like cold which is really cool same pretty much with hmh as well um i only knew it through alexa but i know it's quite a big one um and then now we're moving on to the the UK publishers for young adult books and slash children books. So um, I know that you were telling me how um, you're not so familiar with the UK ones. So mm-hmm. I'll probably talk a little bit, but like if you know any, like just chime in. Um, but yeah, so Bloomsbury, Harry Potter. Then there's Scholastic UK, which have Chicken House as their major imprint. And they publish the Maze Runner series. Um, Simon James Green's books which is like one of my favourite authors of all time he's also a friend of mine and um, also Oh My Gods by Alexandra Shepard who I had on my podcast earlier 
in September. And then we have Egmont. Have you heard of Egmont? Egmont I hadn't heard of, but I know uh, Tahira Mafi, her like Shatter Me series. Yeah. That's the UK publisher of it. Also her contemporary book. You know, very large space. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I've heard of that. Um, and also David Levithan's I think I'm saying his name wrong but oh well (laughs) David Levithan's books um, are published by Egmont Um, they're all published by like Electric Monkey which is like a major imprint of Egmont Um, and then there's Faber and Faber have you heard of them? I know them for doing uh, Jason Reynolds book or The Long Way Down at the very least I don't know if they do his other books as well Um, I think his other books are done by someone else but um, actually Maybe they're done by Faber and Faber as well. Actually, yes, they are. Um, I saw that at Yelk. Um, but Faber and Faber are like a very old publisher who are very traditional and they're very, very like... They're well-known for a lot of poetry, I think, and they just have a really good reputation. Um, and then HarperCollins, UK. Just some UK writers that I know of. Um, the person that wrote Tiger Who Came to Tea. I know she died recently this year, so... Um, but she's it's a really, really huge book. Do they teach you that book in, like primary school in canada no i know like can't and like canadian schools they're very like on top of doing canadian literature okay mostly so we usually actually read like a lot of books specifically by canadians but we read some that were like i think maybe american it's hard to tell it's like one of those weird things when when you're in school in that area you're like is this a canadian only author and i don't know until i like say it to people from the u.s i'm like did you read Hatchet? I think we all read that. I don't know. <laughs> and like some I knew were, or like The Giver, I think we all read, like US and Canada. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, that was a specifically Canadian person. But yeah, it's one of those weird things. Some I know are Canadian for sure, but others I'm not sure. Um, I think similarly in the UK, we kind of studied uk books but if you didn't it'll be u.s books because the u.s are everywhere and centered every time um but yeah the tiger that came to tea and geek girl which is a series um that i'm obsessed with it's a really wildly popular book in the uk it's like about a girl who's like a geek and she's like at school and she gets discovered as a model and she has to live like a double life and it's just so there's boys there's just everything going on i just i'm obsessed with the series i haven't kept up to date there's like eight books in the series or so it's a really really long series but it's so interesting um and then the next publisher is Usborne which is my publisher and they have authors like Holly Bourne Sophie Anderson who's an MG author of The House with Chicken Legs and um, P.G. Bell who is also a middle grade author with the book The Train to Impossible Places and then Meredith Russo who wrote um If I Was Your Girl and birthday which came out recently and then there's penguin slash puffin who have published people like becky albatali with love simon um and john green and then we have walker books which have published cassie claire and patrick ness um i think you published all their books i wrote that one down as the patrick ness imprint it definitely is (laughs) oh i love patrick ness so much i didn't know so he is from the uk He's from, the U- he's from the US. It's like a weird, okay. it's a weird story. He's from the US, but he lived in the UK for a very long time and he still oh, lives here, okay. but then he moved back. So he's kind oh, of like a back okay. and forth. If you li- if you hear him speak, he speaks like an English American. It's okay, weird. I've never heard him speak. That's why I wasn't sure. And I think because when I was 
I think when I was in London, I was seeing maybe a lot of his books also. And I was like, oh, is Patrick Ness from here? And then it was kind of a weird in-between. And, like, um, V. Schwab also lives in the UK. Yeah, she lives in Edinburgh. Yeah, and so I'd seen, like, ones that were, like, signed by her. And I was like, does she live here? I was like, this is very confusing. (laughs) No, she lives in Edinburgh. Like, I... When I when I go to Edinburgh, I'm always like V. Schwab is somewhere here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm always very jealous of uh, UK and Canadian authors that like live in the UK, but and, like my family and friends and my boyfriend can also only work in this particular province, so I was like, I'm here. <laughs> I can't leave anywhere, so I just visit. Um, Simon and Schuster UK. Um, they are publishing people like Adam Severa, my friend Danielle Joando has her book, um, And the Stars Were Brightly Burning. Oh, I know, And the Stars Were Burning Brightly. Thank you, Alexa Don, for that. Um, <laughs> and the Stars Were uh, Brightly Burning. Oh, come on, saying it. Burning Brightly. <sighs> and the Stars Were... <laughs> I'll get it right. And the Stars Were Burning Brightly by Danielle Joando. And um, yeah, they're quite a... They're quite... A great publisher and i've heard amazing things about them my my um agent sibling abby elphinstone is published by them as well um she's a middle grade writer and then there's hotkey books have you heard of them hockey books i hadn't i've heard of their name like i've definitely heard of hotkey books um their website isn't working so i went to like <laughs> they need to fix that i like clicked on books and like nothing shows up and i'm like how do i how do i see though how do I see that? It's so hard to find out books that are published by people because websites are so outdated. Um, but The Cruel Prince is, is published by... Um, the Cruel Prince is published by Hotkey. Does that make sense? I yeah, I'm seeing uh, With the Fire on High Yes, too. yes. Yeah. Um, and then also E. Lockhart's books. Um, and she's the writer of We Were Liars, a book that messed me up. <laughs> Uh, I remember I was crying at 4am when I was like 16 reading and I was like oh my god I did not see this coming because with me and thrillers I write thrillers um, for YA and I always can guess a plot twist and so when someone gets me I'm like wow you really got me I start crying (laughs) out of like being outsmarted Um, (laughs) um, also The Good Girl's Guide to Murder and also Shannon Smart's um, Which is Steeped in Gold is going to be published in the UK by Hotkey Books um, okay. And the bonus, um, the bonus publisher is Knights of. I thought I'd mention them because they're kind of like the only one of their kind. Um, they are a publisher that was set up um, to publish diverse books, mm-hmm. so they're really amazing. They also have a bookshop called Roundtable. I'm a very very slow person, so I was like, oh, they're different like names for like the publisher and the bookshop. But I realized it's Knights of the Roundtable. Oh. Duh. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, they publish um, Jason Reynolds' middle grades books um, in the UK and some other cool books as well. I'm going to put all of this in like the show notes. But yeah, that's essentially it. But that was a really, really great episode. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about everything from Harry Potter to um, like imprints and like um, just words that people may not know and stuff. It was a very nice conversation. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, thank you for having me. First of all, uh, people can find me on social media 
under my name, Lizelle Sambury, because I am, according to my grandfather, all the people with my last name are related, and I'm the only one named Lizelle, so I always get my name for everything. So <laughs> I'm on uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Goodreads under Lizelle Sambury. All lowercase, all together. <laughs> I'm going to leave all your links in like the show notes and everything. But yeah, thank you again for like joining me and being on the podcast. It was lovely having you. Thank you for having me.